0: And welcome back to This is Sego, the official Sego podcast. I'm Ellie. I'm Chloe. I'm Rose. And I'm Alex.
1: So, in today's episode, we'll be talking all about Sego's past with the archivists. But first,
0: on the 19th of April, we changed over to a new exec. We're super excited to see what they get up to over the next
1: year. So, here's them introducing themselves.
2: Hello Sego. We're super excited to get stuck in now that we've completed our full Sego exec handover period. But I thought it would be good to introduce ourselves it first. So hello there, I'm Samir, your new National Chair of Sega, and my main goal this year is to ensure a safe return to face-to-face meetings and national events. Another part of SEGO I'd like to focus on are the National Sega Projects, such as the Web Team, Virtual Team, SEGO Pride and others check them out on the Sago website to see if you're interested in them or joining a part of them. We're going to try and see after summer, after the exams, uh, what we're going to do with them, and hopefully get in with cracking with some stuff if you're interested. Hi, I'm Tom. and the new National Secretary for Sago. My job is to make sure National Sago runs as smoothly as possible by replying to emails, drafting policy updates, and minuting all the meetings we have, both within Sago and with other organisations. This year, I plan to make this process as efficient as possible, and also ensure we keep the best of virtual Sago while hopefully returning to a bit more normality over the next year.
3: Hi, I'm Alex, the new National Treasurer for Sago. As the Treasurer, I mostly work in the background looking after the operation of Sago's finances. However, please feel free to ask any questions if you need help with your own club finances or have any problems. This year, I intend to work on turning Sago into a charity, as this has significant benefits to Sago and has been ongoing for some time.
0: Hey, I'm Rose, your new Members Officer. I'm super excited to get stuck in and meet as many of you as possible, both online and hopefully in person soon. I've had a great time so far on EXEC, going to a few club meetings and plan to go to many more in the future. My priorities for this year are to encourage clubs to work together both in person and virtually, to make sure SEGO continues to be a supportive and friendly environment for everyone, and to ensure that there is a clear line of communication between SEGO members and the EXEC.
2: Hi, I'm Leon, your new National SAGO Publicity Officer. Make sure to message me at any time if you want any advice, support or new publicity materials. When it comes to advertising SAGO to recruit new members, I believe the best way to appeal to other students is to show, don't tell. We should demonstrate our enthusiasm for anything and everything SAGO and showcase the massive variety of activities we offer. I'm currently working on new promotional videos for SEGO, so if you have any video clips from SEGO events for me to use, please do get in touch. I can't wait for everything that SEGO will offer over the coming year, and I hope that you're all excited too. If you would like to get in contact with the exec, you can email us at exec at sego.org, or feel free to message us on, the, on Facebook or on the SEGO Discord, or use the contact uh, link on the SEGO website if you just want to chat. We have decided to hold an EGM on Sunday, the 18th of July, 2021, in which a Sego ball for spring 2022 will be elected, as well as potentially other 2022 Sego events up for election, but this is yet to be confirmed. For these EGM bids, we would encourage you to think outside the box and do something out of traditional Sega ball or ball that you find at uni. Be a bit more creative. Find venues that perhaps aren't normally held for balls, but makes it worthwhile when it still is a more of sorts particularly as well because it's quite short notice normally falls so we want you guys to be able to find something that works especially if, you can, if it's difficult to book from short notice. Uh, we'll post more details soon, what we'd like to see in the bids and a timetable leading up to the GM and other details once we've sorted out logistics behind the scenes.
3: So, on this podcast segment, Rose and I will be talking about the Sago Archives, which aims to rebuild and maintain the history of Sago for everyone to see. We are delighted to welcome our two special guests, Lara, who's been the Sago archivist for the past four years, and Charlotte, who has recently been appointed as Sago's new archivist. Lara and Charlotte, do you want to introduce yourselves?
4: hi i'm lara as you know and um i've been in sego since 2014 um and i did a history degree then i did an archivist degree and i now work in the financial services as a a records and information officer which is kind of like a branch of archiving
1: and hi i'm charlotte i did biochemistry and biology, and I currently work in a secondary school. we should probably talk about what an
0: archive actually is, Um, if someone wants to say.
4: Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. What what do we mean by archive? What does that word mean? It's actually from like Latin. Um, I don't have the definition though. But when we say archive, it's um, a collection of materials and that could be different formats. It could be paper, it could be um, digital um, physical items clothing and it's a collection that's related to a piece of history a person an institution um, and it tells the story of what they did um, so in Sego, we have lots of um, digital materials we have minutes organizational um, level of items Things that we create as part of an organization, but we also collect history. So, through uh, memories, um, physical items that are donated down, like obviously in scouting, guiding. So, um, I'm going to give you a bit of a a debrief in the the SAGO history. This is the abridged version. Um, I could spend hours going into the details. But basically, um, to kind of understand where SAGO started, we kind of need to start. All the way back with Baden Powell setting up scouting. And later on into the 19 uh uh yeah, 1916, he sets up the Rover Scouts. Um, and this was sort of the older boys, and he noticed that uh people were the boys were getting to the scouting age, and then they had nothing to sort of do afterwards. So he extended the scheme. The first Rover and Ranger clubs are, uh, kind of appear around 1918. There's sort of a variety that sort of spring up on sort of Cambridge and Oxford, Manchester. Um, and you had a club for Rover scouts and a club for R- Ranger guides. Um, there's always a division between those. Uh, you have to remember the, the the movements didn't have mixed genders until way later into the 20th century um so from there clubs uh did their socials we have our first joint big rally um in 1947 so up until this point they kind of met regionally the oxford club held an annual uh, halloween camp and that halloween camp sort of just a way to meet other students from other clubs but for the first time, um, this rally was actually by the Imperial Headquarters, so Scout HQ. Uh, ran this this big event at Birmingham. It was a week-long summer, and the key bit was to have uh, a crew element. So, crewing is you know when you you'll go to the campsite and you'll do some work the the site, whether that's building something or improving a facility. And they'd always have a formal dinner, formal opportunity to sit down, celebrate sort of their success uh guests speeches a bit like what we have as a ball really and 11 years later is the first intercollegiate rally so there's a you have to sort of appreciate that you you know the university culture is different to today you have universities actual proper institutions uh kind of elitist men mostly went um has come from a, a certain background, they did restrictive courses, uh, very specific. And you would have then, in comparison, uh, colleges and polytechnics, sort of uh, teaching and practical skills. Um, so, because they were different, clubs also didn't mix. So, inter varsity universities stayed together, they had an inter varsity organization and same with intercollegiate and when you read some of the um archive materials quite interesting because, you know intercollegiate are seen as sort of the the, the people below uh, but they meet together um in the 1950s at kibblestone and they have their first rally into the middle of the 20th century you have your first witten uh witten meaning meeting of the one and that's in 1959 So that was part of the the Second World War, sort of reunifying the European nations. Um, It was a kind of a small gathering at Gilwell, and it was an opportunity to meet international scout clubs, uh, bond together and talk about things that they could... um, sort of connect on and then from that became a tradition that we we see throughout the 20th century every two or so years and they the wittons were held um in different countries uh basically all the way until the end of the century when it sort of died out and it's been revised for the sort of 2012 onwards it kind of rebranded and it's a bit different now there's a whole video about it on youtube if you want to listen and um see some cool items from the archive uh, at the same time you there were people who had left varsity and intercollegiate and they wanted to form like an old people's club like the scout and guide graduate association uh, so they became they were first they they came before sego uh, which is always quite interesting to, to sort of realize and that was in 1957 Again, when you look at the archive materials for a few years before that, there's a lot of discussion of, well, we have these old people around, and you know, they they're kind of hanging around. They need to have their own. And so, into the '60s, Rover and Ranger units start to merge. We start to see scouting and Guide. We kind, we know from the archive materials that Rover units, uh, Rover and Rangers, were aimed at teaching. They were um, their program was. Yeah, you know, we have our socials. What we call a social today is very different to what they they had. Guest speakers it was sort of coffee, tea, and you would have a discussion about a topic every other week or something. Or you might want to bring something to talk about, uh, whether that's scouting related, whether that's university, all these sort of anything that was relevant to what was going on around them. Whereas the scout and guide clubs formed as a as a kind of camping and getting involved in the community and uh, sort of helping groups and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, they start to sort of amalgamate into just one group. Um, the roving Rangers sort of die out or and, and that, yeah. Uh, so in the 1960s, you have to appreciate that there was quite a lot, there was a lot happening in society. You know, you got, the swingings want to be different, And you know youth were coming around and say, "Well, we want we're uh, we're fresh. we're new. We're coming out of this post second World War period. And with that comes a change in so more polytechnics are allowed to be chartered. they, be, they award higher qualifications and put on higher programs. And uh, because of the Second World War, the government realized that universities were actually quite useful. Uh, their, their involvement and their research showed that, their use for the country, and so with that, um, into Varsity and Ecclesia, started to talk about how well we we just might as well come together. We're not our values are aligned. We're you know we're the same now. So they do this in 1967, big date at the spring conference. That's the spring rally in February. They come together and it's formulated. So up until this point, uh, rallies were once a year and they were summer camps, and then they started to introduce. Spring and autumn sort of informal camps, and then when sego is formed, that's when you have this sort of structured, uh, structured committee. Uh, and ball comes in in the twenty-first uh, century as a we want to dress up and you know look look tidy. That's the uh, history, and then the more recent history is that clubs had big birthdays recently. Cambridge and Birmingham turned hundred. Various clubs have turned fifteen years old. 20. I think Liverpool is coming up to a big birthday. Uh, next year and we also saw our 50th anniversary in 2017 and 50 ago obviously the, the roots of further back um, and that was a great opportunity to sort of meet past members and it was really nice to see that clubs are starting to build bridges of their sort of alumni students and from that they've had reunion camps um and kind of use social media to connect
3: so there's your history <laughs> i didn't know a heart but i didn't know any of that really i and that's the abridged yeah. version. There's
4: more information on the Sego website. Plug, plug. Yeah, there's there's, there's so many levels of, of detail because there's all these social things that are going on that happen that really influence the, the changes that are going on. And scouting and guiding have always had to be relevant. And so they make changes like Venture Scouts went, oh, we introduced Explore more recently. Guiding has changed, what's it called?
1: Um, they changed senior section into rangers that's 14 to 19 and then go Guiding Inspire, which is yes. broadly the same as Network, where previously you had senior section went up to 25, which I think got quite messy when people went to uni because obviously you if you'd been a ranger, you left your range, weren't generally going to go and associate with your new new areas 14-year-olds. Um, whereas splitting it into a new section and having it work very similar to scouting, although it's sort of taking time to get set up properly, how it particularly students that can't don't feel they can commit to volunteering regularly inspire will allow them to still be involved, a bit like network, as I say, with that kind of level of flexibility.
4: yeah, definitely. I think it will
0: be good for um like people. Um, that do go to uni and like keeping in touch with um, people back home. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, they often like disconnect from their groups back home, especially like if you are in Explorers or um, Rangers or whatever, and then you go to uni and there's not really an opportunity for you to go back and meet those people ever again. So I feel like having Inspire for Girl guys. I mean, yeah, I found absolutely.
3: out more, so as soon as we're back in person, man, I'm going to have... Apparently, there's a load of sag stuff in the university archives, which I didn't know about. Yeah. So, obviously, there's um, a lot of items and stories in the archives. Do you guys have um, a particular...
1: Um, I think for me, I mean, I'm still finding stuff in the archives as I look through it, because as you can imagine, there is an awful lot to look at but the one thing that I've really liked looking at that's kind of more recent history are the rally newsletters from over the last sort of five ten years because obviously it's recognisable to people that are in say things that happened previously but it's not you know some there are there are publications in there that are much nearer to the beginnings of SAGO and obviously it was a very different organisation back then Whereas it's quite nice to see how, yes, things have changed. Yes, things have moved on. Obviously, things have diversified this year with doing both Build a Rally and Green Rally, Yellow Rally virtually because of the COVID pandemic. Whereas, you know, there, there's newsletters from the one I, I can remember like um, Nottingham Outlaw Rally, Witten in a Weekend Rally, from sort of 2017, 2018. Um, and even into 2019, those things that students that are maybe freshers now or even sixth formers now who will be the Sago members over the next few years would recognise as how a rally works. And obviously familiar, but. Not quite, if that makes sense, but also quite a lot stays the same over time. So I think also the um,
4: the newsletters are a nice personal touch to the rallies. Like we, we get, a, you know, the reports come through and uh, something might go up on the website, but these are made by the people for the people. Um, and there's jokes in it and like the horoscopes are always quite funny. And it's a nice way what we've all been up to over the weekend even though they're quite stressful to make, (laughs) quite time-consuming as well from what I've
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing is it's quite nice to have the personal touch as well as almost the more official things like the reports for reps meetings, agendas and meetings relating to sort of the event committee when they're planning. And that's all very nice to have. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the best way to get a feel for how an event was if you weren't there is to look at it through the eyes of people who were there and having those photos having that have maybe come out of conversations like happened at rally it, it's interesting to sort of see it through the eyes of somebody who was there when maybe you weren't and obviously those human stories are also as important to preserve as the kind mm. of official i guess it's interesting minutes. as well
3: because like the the newsletters obviously we I mean, use you know more about them than i do but i guess that they're tailored to a specific, you know. They're not aimed at promoting the rally, you know, in the archives. It's it's very much a, for the people there. To
4: stand alone, yeah. So it stands in its time.
3: So I guess it's a different perspective. Yeah. Mm.
5: Rose, do you have anything to add? <laughs> you've been very quiet. It it can be hard to talk about something if you've not seen it. I do. I,
4: I we we appreciate that. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: No. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it will just be interesting to see sort of as like promotion like especially for like the like this last year with everything being virtual and like promotion for things becoming a lot more virtual. So like seeing I don't know, um, memes that have been made now within Sego and like people looking back um I don't know five ten years down the line, and to be like, oh, I remember that meme, um, and things like that. Um, just like how generations have grown, and like what what's funny, and how people communicate differently now is quite interesting
3: very excited for memes to become a historical source in exams i,
5: I, I can't wait it's, it's probably, probably going to be a them. few archivists <laughs> time until sort of the memes truly start becoming sort of the, the ancient history of sago But until i and this just looks up at some random stuff that has been posted on this discord
3: imagine trying to explain the memes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if that doesn't
0: like continue as being a thing that'd be quite interesting
1: I mean, as well, I think memes from sort of this current time period, the last year or so going forward over the next few months, again, it's a snapshot of Sago during COVID. And that has never happened before. There's an organisation that, and in the future, where everything's had to go online, events have been either cancelled or moved online. What is it?
4: How do people feel about... What was going on at the time, but you need a lot of context to understand them and I'd be really interested to see how well memes age. Um, how far do you need to go back to under still under to still get and relate to what's going on? Or do you need context behind it? Do you need um I don't know, but it'd be very interesting to see.
3: People are gonna be very confused between yeah. the uh do sag and new rivalry memes and then the fact we're still joint rally. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, even like in terms of that's uh, again relating to the Dusag News rivalry, relating to COVID. Okay, yes, it may be beyond my time as archivist, but there's going to be in 15, 20 years, people that don't even remember, you know, all, all the babies that are the SAGO members of 2040 probably won't have noticed anything's different. So it will be interesting as well for. Almost future generations to be able to what Sago did, how Sago adapted to the pandemic, when either not been born at that point or when they were so little it didn't really make any difference to their lives. As opposed, we're looking at it now, and even how maybe Sago members of 2025 will look at it. They were here, they lived through it, they remember it. It impacted either their uni, their schooling. What that, you know that sort of viewpoint is going to be very very different i think once you get people coming into the organization who weren't around you need a lot of hindsight
4: to really appreciate what's happened um i happened to come across an interview with um someone from the horrible histories team and they have rebranded the books the books the content's pretty much the same because it's history um to make it, yeah, they rebranded the books to make it more relevant. And he was saying in this interview, of course, we'll do one on coronavirus, but you need time, you need a good 100 years or so to then really reflect on the short, the long-term impacts. And definitely for Sago, it will be offered maybe within our lifetime before we die. (laughs) It's a pivot point in history across the board. Um, and it'll be a testament to Sega's ability to adjust.
5: Will it just be those old members in Sega, which are like, I remember Sega <laughs> with the coronavirus? Exactly.
3: I mean, at least we'll see the like the short term impacts in a way, like immediately after once stuff goes back to person and all that. But I, I think. The long-term impacts, I think, will be... And experience. that's why
4: archives are really important, and that's why it's really important that we continue to capture what's going on, to talk to people, to create different forms of history. So whether that's audio, whether that's um, ver- you know verbal history, oral history, all these sort of formats, so that we can help the future generation understand what it was like for us.
5: Well, I think that's a nice sort of rounded segment. If you want to tell your own story now, Lara, yeah, sure.
0: Um, so yeah, um, Lara, do you also have a interesting yes, story? Yes,
5: I do. Uh,
4: so one thing that I've been trying to do over the few years is to gather stories from past members. And this was part of the 50th anniversary museum that I made for the camp. Uh, I tried to connect with past members and talk to them about what it was like when they were in Sega. What can they recall? What would they like to share with us? And so I've got an extract here from a past member. He was in the Oxford Club between 1963 and 1965. It's from Richard Harper. And so he's talking about Witten. He went to the Witten in 1963. Uh, that was in Norway. So he says, Typical of Norwegian scout camps is the overnight hike. Map reading was no problem because we simply walked around the lake. As the forest was most of the way, the idea was that we would not take tents, but make a bivouac. Given the inclement weather, some patrols cheated and went round the first day, but we'd taken the precaution of taking with us a large, Classic tablecloth that was part of the patrol equipment. And with that placed among branches cut from the tree, we kept dry. And he says that he remembers one English girl saying, my mother would have kittens if she saw me now. And he says, Richard says, well, whether this was an account of the bivouac or the fact that she was sleeping in, a, in mixed company, I don't know. And so what I love about this is Firstly, it's a, it's a lovely story about what they got up to. It tells us that they had um, patrols. And in scouting, that's how scouting is set up, with groups of around seven people called a patrol. You've got the leader and the assistant. And obviously, they were replicating that at the camps. And we're told that they did bivouacking which is really fun you know it's a form of wild camping and the attitude as well the was this on account of sleeping with mixed company so what we know from the archives and sort of the attitude at the time was that men sleep you know the boys sleep together and they will be like on one side of the field, and the girls will sleep together and they'll be on the other side of the field. Sort of this distinction between gender. Um, whereas, obviously, say, you go today, people will pop up a tent, will share, not really bothered. You know, it's all sort of a free for all. It's not, it's, you know, people are very are much more relaxed on the approach of that kind of thing. And it kind of tells you a lot about those attitudes, the people, and just the, how far we've come from that the you know it's only 40 40 50 years ago um and yeah that's i just i think that's just a funny story
0: so so we've talked about sort of why does go and what you do within your job talking to different people and looking at resources um is there anything that um individuals either committees or clubs or individual people within clubs um something that they could do um to help out and start an archive of their own.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. There, There is a lot you can do. Um, Lara and I actually, earlier this year, put together a guidance document for clubs wanting to start their archive. And obviously, you can always contact um, myself as archivist and Lara before she steps down to um get any guidance or answer any we can answer any questions you've got i think the key thing is if you're doing it digitally make sure that you've got a sort of organized way of storing your digital files so most commonly that's going to be by academic year and then by sort of file types you might have like your meeting minutes together you might have if your club's done a camp you might have everything to do with that camp together um the other thing of course is things like photos if you've got any photos that you're happy for them to be used it's always useful as well if you know who's in a photo to be able to write Um, Either if it's a hard copy photo, you could always write it on the back or on a bit of paper that you put in with it to say kind of a bit of context to do with the event, who the people are, uh, when it was taken, where it was taken. Because obviously, particularly if you think of events over the last few years before COVID, the in-person events, you could probably put two photos from a campsite at two different rallies side by side and it would probably be relatively difficult to tell which event was which whereas obviously if you can kind of put that bit of context in it saves future generations having to do guesswork um in terms of club committees if you can speak to your university particularly the libraries, often have a division that covers archives. See if, you know, they they may have stuff from your club from 40, 50 years ago that you don't know about. Um, So it's always worth asking if they have anything relating to your club. If not, then, or even if they do, you can add to that collection. Always worth making sure that you're depositing the items.
4: I yes, believe that's right. right,
1: Lara. Please correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong. Um, <laughs> I am learning. And um, make like make sure because that then means that you retain the rights to the items. If you wish to take them out, you can. Whereas if you like gift them to the library, then then you've got no rights for them anymore. So that's always worth thinking about. I think as well it's important to make sure that as well as, you know, you having all these official documents, so your committee meeting minutes, you know, record of programme, what you've done in your, if you have weekly club meetings, that's always useful to have because that kind of gives a general overview of what you do. But it's also worth, I think, having kind of taking the time to get the personal stories of your members So you could give them a sort of basic questionnaire to fill out and say who they are, you know, what course they're studying, how long they've been a member for, and kind of get them maybe to write down a couple of funny stories that they can remember their best memories. And that means that you will have a decent sort of knowledge base and information base to start your archive with, particularly if you're starting from scratch which at least gives you a foundation to build on. And it is worth making sure that you get these personal stories because meeting minutes are lovely and they're very important. But if you're a member in 20 years' time, you might be able to relate to something that somebody said, oh, I really enjoyed going to a rally because... Whereas the committee sort of your club committee meeting minutes may not be quite as sort of relatable to because obviously things do move on. So it's nice to have a balance between kind of the official records and that sort of personal touch. Yep. I feel like I've waffled
3: horribly. I'm now thinking in my head, I should, I should do a do-so.
4: There is no, sure? no 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 That's no to, um so Dur- Durham. Oh it's so annoying because of the pandemic I actually was started to plan a visit for last summer to get some people to come with me to visit the Durham archive because there's so many Rover Ranger um materials. Um they've got a cast on it. I can send you a copy if you want to have a read of it. It looks amazing. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. There is a, So here's a good a, a situation. There's a, a collection already existing, and so that's a great start. You can go and visit, you can speak to the library, and you can just get together something to uh, summarise mm-hmm. the year. Like in Southampton, they have a, a logbook. So every week, their archivist, who is appointed in their committee, will write down and take pictures. And so over the year, they collect all that information. Once the book is full, they deposit it into the archive. And it's a nice sort of continuous cycle.
1: Yeah, and I, I know another way of doing it, which Nottingham did. So I, while I was at Nottingham, I was publicity officer, which included the responsibility for the archive. And the way that we did it was once a year you had what was on the programme as Archive Night, where if anybody had any photos, anything they wanted to be added to the archive collection, that was sort of all collected on that night. We often had sort of a history quiz about either Sago or about the club. We also kind of got pens and paper out and people could write something, draw something to kind of represent... Sago and what Sago meant to them which again adds that human aspect without saying to somebody please write me an essay because let's face it people don't all want to write pages and pages people don't always want to read pages and pages and you can get an awful lot from images and then what we would do is we would as a club organize a trip a few weeks after that And take everything over to the archive, which was then an opportunity for members to look at what was previously in there. But we'd also then add kind of that year's batch of stuff to the archive on that trip. So that's another way to do it if you don't want the kind of every week I'm going to write something and take it when this book's full you can look at doing it either termly monthly yearly you can do it you can in a way manage your archive in whichever way suits you and your club situation the best it does it doesn't have to literally be every week i'm going to put something together for the archive but it can if you want to be hmm. that sounds really interesting because i know a lot of dusag stuff is on the um
3: like we have, obviously, the DoSAG page on the SEGA website, but we've also got our own website that's provided by the university. And that's got links to um, the you know the old Rally website that we hosted. It's to like to the Waymat machine. And loads of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's loads of stuff like that, like exec meeting minutes mm. are on there. And it's great because I like reading through them and go, ah, we're dealing with the same problem. Like, some issues are just sort of timeless for club committees. But then also, it's like, I'm grateful we don't have to deal with that issue. So it's, it's fun.
5: And then in a couple of years' time, Chloe, uh, there's going to be future Doosag members looking at why there was a werewolf officer <laughs> elected in 2020.
3: Oh, uh, no, I think I've probably me- <laughs> messed up um, that for the archives. Because <laughs> there's, like, no context provided at all. So...
1: I was going to say you. It might be worth providing oh, yeah, so I guess
3: it'll be in like the um, EGM minutes, but I don't think it'll come across that it was a joke because I think based on the minutes, it seems like a it's genuine, serious consideration we did.
5: <laughs> and since since you didn't get up to um, to Durham um, this summer, Lara, I guess it gives you an excuse to to hang around a little bit longer. And, and get up to Viking Rally to to go on an adventure in oh, Durham or whatnot.
4: But archives are closed <laughs> at the weekend. Sorry to put that down. <laughs> yeah, but oh. I've I'm, I'm just you go early on the Friday. Yeah, that's true. Also, as a side note, because I've just pulled up the uh, the catalogue, it actually explicitly says that the Rover Crew was founded in 1928. By Ealing of University College.
3: But but did you say University College?
4: E-A-G-L-I-N-G of University College. Literally, that's what it says. I don't know what that means, if that's like... Anyway, just as a side note, because um, you've got me interested in Durham now, but yeah.
3: (laughs) Because the only college that's like university college is Castle. Well, oh, not so. So that that's just the intricacies of the Durham University if you, College. Yeah, if you get in contact system. with
4: the um, library and tell them that this is on their catalogue, they might be able to help with that. They might understand what that means. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe that's a
3: summer job for me.
5: It's, it's it's not long until. Do Sag um, have to plan a hundred-year oh. birthday? Then, by the
3: look of it, we celebrated our fiftieth recently. Well. <laughs> 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 so I think somebody got that so, well. absurd, so I think the fiftieth might have been based on like actual Do Sag rather than a, hmm. a scout and guide group at university.
1: Well yeah, because fifty years of Sago was twenty seventeen. And I think the Do so one was around been, then as
3: well.
1: So it would have been fifty years since officially like Do Sag became Do within the context of Sago wouldn't have been before twenty seventeen, but the clubs almost that fed into become what is now Do Sag clearly been around a lot longer. Ooh. Um
3: does that give me an excuse to right. hold another celebration for New Sag? Might
4: as well?
5: I think by connection yeah. it technically gives you an excuse to hold one for Newsag too. As um as obviously Newcastle Uni formed from a Durham Uni College. Yeah. And I think it would have still been connected to Durham at that point. Yeah, it would have been. We only became our own uni in the sixties.
0: Yeah, I feel like I, I feel left out just because, um like, Keel hasn't really been around that long. Like,
3: it has you are making long. the history. You exactly. are the history.
0: Like, we have an archive document, but, yeah. like, we didn't really become a thing until, like, I think this year is, like, our five-year anniversary, so we were planning on doing, like, a five-year anniversary thing, but, like, obviously that can't happen. Um, But... I feel like from what I know about Kiel is that, like, there was, like, a, sort of a group of, like, students that were into um, scouting and guiding from, like, 2009-ish, um, when we were there, um we were a network group called the Kiel Pirates, but not, not with an I, but with a Y, because that's just so much cooler um, for some reason. I have no idea why they named that. Um, and there is a quote from someone that like started the um like started doing keel when keel sago like started back up. Um, there's a quote, and it's um basically saying that when um when we were called the keel pirates, um from what I have gathered, they basically just get drunk and set fire to things, and that that is all it says about that is the only information I have on the keel <laughs> pirates. So. <laughs>
3: I guess you're in like a privilege. I guess <laughs> Jacks. Not... <laughs> hey. I guess I guess Keel's in the privileged position where they can focus on like you. You can make sure you have the records of the beginning of Keel Sego as it is now. Yeah. Save the likes of Dusag. Yeah. The very beginnings are sort of lost to time because maybe no one fought to record them or we didn't have the technology we have today. So I guess, you know, 20, 30 da- years down the line, people might think, oh, they have like detailed evidence on how mm. Kiel sort of started that other clubs might not necessarily have.
0: I feel like also Kiel kind of took a long time to become a Sega group because. We were network for a very long time. And I think we only really made the change from network to Sago because um, there was like that rule change about how networks then now had to be like districts and you couldn't have like just as many groups as you wanted. Um, And so that's why we changed from a network group. So if if Scouting hadn't have made that change, then I I don't know if we would have ever become a Sago group. So thanks, going for making it that we couldn't be a group anymore. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much the extent of Kiel's Lego this. I can
4: add to your knowledge. Um, so the lovely thing about Ooh. the fact that we use Google Drive, where we store all our records, is when someone says, I don't know anything about my club, type in the club name and just see what comes up and i've got something for you so this is from sago journal 1982 um bit of context Uh, sago published various publications they were um you know we talked about rally newsletters so these were sort of similar but an organization whole sort of like these are discussions that are going on adverts for rallies Club reports, sort of a um, a combination of all these things, because obviously you didn't have social media. So, someone, an an editor, would put together all these bits of information and send it to all the clubs. And so, in this edition, there's a list of all the scouting guy clubs in universities and colleges, and Kiel is listed. So, we know in 1982 there was a Kiel club.
0: Yeah, I'll add that to our archive document
4: (laughs) yeah so from there you can probably see if anyone's you know any past members are around and might might be involved who knows so uh why should people
3: in sego care about the archive and like sego history in general so i'd
4: say that it's important to make sure that we're in the history books make sure that people know we existed We were around what we were doing, what were we talking about? And we preserve that knowledge and we honour the people that helped set up our clubs and helped run Sago. And by looking after an archive, we can also give us the tools and knowledge to make informed decisions. So, for example, as a real thing that happened, a couple of years ago, the exec had a meeting with Guiding and Scouting. This is a joint meeting. It's held every year. It's quite normal. But on this occasion, Guiding turned around and said, you know, we don't really have any records of, of Sego and you guys. I don't think we have a relation. And the they kind of went away, the chair and the uh, members' officer that went, and the chair happened to mention it to me, and I said, "Well, that's funny. We've that that's you know we've got records that actually imply that we've had joint meetings from the eighties and the nineties. They're, they're your evidence." And he said, "Great, send me a bunch, um, and I'll take them through." So archives become a really useful source of evidence, evidence-based actions, decisions. And so when he went to the meeting again, as it turns out, he didn't actually need the information. We don't know whether that's because maybe in the guiding side that they had uh, made their own discoveries or decisions, but at least he was able to go in with a bit of ammunition, I guess, a bit of sort of preparation. And so we see again and again where we need to look back at our records. We need to understand what was going on And then you get that appreciation for how things have changed.
1: I think it's important as well that we kind of maintain those personal stories because obviously, Sago, with it being students, it's predominantly going to be that kind of 18 to 21, 22 age group, which is a group that actually, if you think, it's quite a small section of society at any one time. But it's it's the uni students who have lived through whatever is going on in the world at that time and kind of how they've been able to adapt, like with COVID. And, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. It, it's quite nice to be able to have that record of how people have lived and as well, there have been references in sort of older stuff to there being lots of rubbish at rallies from where students were maybe drinking quite a lot. And therefore, you can get a sense that maybe students aren't drinking quite as much as maybe they were sort of 10, 15 years ago. So it's quite useful to be able to kind of look at the trends and what's changed in terms of, Students, because obviously, you know, students are still students, they're still at uni to learn. But, kind of, the specific things that affect students and that affect kind of how they act, how they behave, what's going on in the world around them are going to be slightly different, maybe every few years. As the world does change so it's quite useful to be able to kind of look at what's happened obviously from a very kind of elitist organisation back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Going into the organisation we've got today where we'll all quite happily get together in a field for a few days, do activities, take over Cadbury World as we did in 2019 for an afternoon. And things change, and it's nice to be able to see how things were and look at what we've learned, what's changed, and obviously future generations to be able to do that and see how things have adapted. It's always nice to be able to think that in 50 years' time there might be somebody who hasn't even been born yet who's looking at how we did things right now, so I think for me, it's quite important that we preserve what's happening right now, so that that information is there mm. for the people in the future.
3: Do you think the high turnover of like students has an impact? Because, you know, you know, arguably the the, the usual like degree term is three years. Sort of how I guess memories aren't being preserved the same way as they maybe would in scouting and guiding, where a leader might join a group and stay there for ten. Yeah, so years. Yeah, so
4: that sort of. Um... Corporate knowledge, it's called, um, where you've got people who are around and have been around for a while. So they're able to inform you about decisions or things that have happened um, as a reference. So, one of the uh, just the nature of the way SOGO is, is that we do have that quick turnaround, which can be good because then you've got fresh new people in, you're not hanging on to old uh values um but equally you're not able to progress hence why the constitution is always talked about you know you go minutes you look at minutes from the just 20 years ago they were talking about trying to uh improve the constitution from the from their point of view so and that's just uh, an issue across the broader sense of the world, uh, work, at, um, in, in your family, if you're not, if you're not got people who are there to tell you what happened, or you've got the evidence to look at, then it can be difficult to uh, progress. So that's why I think it's great that we've started an archive. And it's lovely to see that people are engaging with it. Um, you know, it's quite a niche thing. It's Hard to explain to someone what you know. Why? Why should I care now? Like I've got my whole life in front of me, but actually, just spending those few minutes uh, or a session a week just to pull stuff together means that when you do a reunion, you've got all these things that you can pull out and you can show and share. Photos are lovely, and unfortunately, in, our, in the Sego archive, we don't have a lot of photos, and that's one thing that we lack in. We have loads of Documents that tell us information that are typed, but you haven't got that visual element, and that then tells you another that sort of piece of history, the way people dressed. There's a photo of members from a rally, I think about 1960s, 70s, and they're wearing uniform. And I remember in 2017 at the reunion. Uh, one of the past members said, Yeah, we used to rock up in uniform. That was normal. And we'd probably stay in the whole weekend wearing uniform. I mean, we don't do that. So, your uniform is just a necker. And maybe like your hoodie, you know, that's the way you can identify who's who. So, things change and um, it's great to preserve it and share and understand where we've come from and reconnect with those values that we. Agreed. (laughs) When we joined Scouting and Guiding.
3: I'm now really wanting to work on a DUSAG archive. But I'm thinking, I have actually...
4: (laughs) If it helps, um, Liverpool approached us earlier this year and said that we want to start an archive. So what we did was we had a meeting with them and talked about um, lots of different tips, things to consider, asked them what they had at the moment, what were they thinking of doing. And I think that helped them kind of formulate where to start. And what their aim is so you know obviously then we made the document from that conversation realizing that you know yeah yeah i was gonna
1: say from that conversation but if it, it, it we can, can sometimes adopt, be easier just then. to have a
4: conversation you know you could read the document and then maybe you're if you're still thinking i'm not sure where to start or options and things like that then you could always just yeah have a chat if you want an example of using the archives as a way to help us inform our decisions is regions. So regions isn't a new thing. They did it in the nineties. They tried it in the two thousands and then it suddenly came up again. And so when the discussion started in like 2017, I said to reps, this hasn't been done before. Here is the information. Um, I'm not sure why it didn't work, but this is how they did the d- division. and um the the discussion on regions has since continued for four years so i do every now and then it's just um it's a really good example of of you know archives isn't just collecting history and we'll just shove it into something and you know close the door it's sharing information it's using it to um make good decisions so that we don't repeat ourselves i mean you know
0: So, yeah, thanks so much, Laura and Charlotte, for coming along. Um, Me and Chloe have definitely loved um, this evening and definitely want to get stuck into our own club archives now. Um, If anyone listening um, is interested in starting their own archive or looking into um, their club and their club's history, um, do feel free to get in contact with either of them and they will gladly help. Um, and lead you in the right direction and you can find both their emails on the team pink section of the sego website
3: thank you so much to everyone that took part in this episode as always if you and a group of your sego friends want to record a segment for the podcast just fill in the google form in the podcast description or you can get in contact with us through the sego podcast discord channel thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with the next episode